Welcome back, everybody. Two in a week. Two in a week. We're doing a couple back-to-back twofers. Jamie Kilstein has returned to the show. Jamie Kilstein has become a closer and closer and closer buddy of mine since moving out here to Austin. Uh, Somebody that I followed for a while. Y'all may know him as the controversial lefty that switched and went righty, but didn't quite. Landed somewhere in the middle and was a vegan, but now he eats meat. So he's pissed off everybody in one shape or form or another. But um, Jamie is a human on a path and his trajectory is up, just like most of us listening to the show. And I think that he's got, uh, he's made some incredible progress. It's been really cool to see him come here. He'll admit this, but he was uh, quite out of shape and kind of battered and beaten up mentally when he came to Austin, and now he's rocking and rolling, firing on all eight cylinders. We talk jujitsu in this episode. We talk life practices, uh, music, comedy, and everything in between, and politics. You know, I think we get into just about everything on this episode. So lots of lots of cool stuff in this one. I don't need to beat your ears up with with more of what we talk about. Uh, Jamie Kilstein was great on the first one, I think even better on this episode, and uh, I would not be surprised to see him coming back to the show more often than that. Um, Just an an amazing dude, and I'm happy that he's my friend, and we continue to grow from one another. There's a number of ways you can support this podcast. Leave us a rating, five stars please, with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life, and support our sponsors. We are brought to you today by HigherDose.com. These guys have a couple of phenomenal products. Uh, They are a female-led company, so even though we have mostly male listeners, this is still really cool because uh, for a lot of reasons, it's just dope. It's dope that uh, women are doing some awesome stuff in the world, and um, they have created some really cool healing tools. You can heal at home or on the go with Higher Dose's portable infrared sauna blanket. Experience the powerful benefits of infrared and feel the difference after just one session. Infrared increases blood flow for faster recovery, better sleep, and a calmer central nervous system. Plus, it naturally releases a dose of happy chemicals in the brain, leaving you feel euphoric. The sauna blanket has an amethyst layer to deepen the benefits of the infrared, a tourmaline layer that generates negative ions, and a charcoal layer to bind to pollutants, and a clay layer, which is balancing for the heat. If you don't have the budget or the room for a full-size sauna, those are all my folks living in apartments or dorms or any of that stuff, this sauna blanket is a game changer. For those of you who want to experience the benefits of infrared without the sweat, they also have a really cool infrared PEMF mat that comes in two sizes. It combines the dual technology of infrared with PEMF for an unbelievable recharging experience. PEMF stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field or pulsed electromagnetic frequency, and it works by sending electromagnetic waves through your body at different frequencies to promote your body's own recovery process. You'll feel relaxed, regrounded, and rebalanced. What makes their mat so unique is that it not only does it combine the infrared with the PEMF, but it also has a thick layer of 100% natural purple amethyst crystals in mesh fabric tubes across the entire mat. This powerful crystal therapy creates an even deeper treatment and naturally emits healing negative ions when heated. The smaller mat fits comfortably in an office chair so you can recharge while working, whereas the regular size mat is great for stretching, doing yoga, meditating, or even just chilling and watching TV. I have mine set up on my bed in um, the upstairs living room, so if we're watching a movie, I'm lying on that, or every night I've been reading the Hardy Boys case files. Who remembers that stuff growing up? Nancy Drew for the ladies out there. 
Hardy Boys have been reading at least a chapter. Most of the time, I'll I'll get if if I get to with Bear early enough, I'll lay on this thing for an hour while reading for an hour. I'll read Hardy Boys chapter after chapter. I get my healing on. I get good and toasty. Sometimes it makes my butt sweat, but it's no big deal. And uh, Bear gets to learn about what it means to be a detective and how to figure out clues and all that fun stuff. Hardy Boys is a great, great series for for kids. Um, so yeah, you put this stuff anywhere. I've actually had massages where this is on the massage table, and uh, that will ramp up your massage considerably. And if you're into uh, medicinal experiences, this is a great thing to lay on during that. If you're having one indoors and not out in nature, uh, because it's going to tune you into the frequency of the earth, the Schumann resonance. So just a fantastic, fantastic piece of technology. Both of these things are incredible. And uh, you can get them all over at higherdose.com. That's H-I-G-H-E-R-D-O-S-E.com with the exclusive promo code KKP75. And you're going to get $75 off your entire order. So you can get your own infrared sauna blanket and or infrared PEMF mat, higherdose.com, code KKP75. We are also brought to you by the cold plunge. The cold plunge is, (laughs) I mean, it's hands down one of my favorite things ever that I've been able to talk about on this show. For a long time, people heard me talk about building my own chest freezer with caulking and doing all that. And it leaked and there were some other issues because it didn't have a filter and I have to get a redneck above ground. Sorry if you're, if you have an above ground pool, I'm not saying you're a redneck, but typically that's how I thought of those growing up. If you have an above ground pool, doesn't mean you're a redneck, but I call it the redneck uh, pool pumper. You can get on Amazon and then you got to pump it out and that doesn't get the last three inches. So you got to get in there and and get that out. And it, it it was a huge hassle, an absolute huge hassle and to keep clean and to change out the water, not the move. And it looked, you know, like a chest freezer did. So, you know, people would open that up thinking there's meat in there and they'd see water. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's my meat freezer. It's the Kingsbury meat that goes in there. And that was kind of a running joke. But if you want something that is pleasing to the eyes, that looks absolutely incredible indoors or outdoors, if you want to have the best biohacking tool on the planet where you can shift your state of awareness, meaning physiology, neurology, the neurochemistry that's in your brain, how you think, feel, and operate in the world, lowering inflammation, burning fat. If you want all of those things, this is the single product that's going to do it. And it pairs so well doing contrast therapy. So right back to higherdose.com. If you don't have uh, a big sauna, this is the move. The sauna blanket is one of the ways that you can do contrast therapy where you're going to be able to get infrared light, sweat like a madman, then jump into the ice bath right after. It makes the ice bath a little bit more tolerable. You still got to slow your breathing down. You still got to find your quiet mind. But when you can do that, while your body is sensing it can die, you can do that in the face of anything. Training your body to find Zen and your quiet center while inside the cold plunge will will honestly take your levels of mental awareness, your levels of strength and stability from a mental standpoint into all aspects of your life. When you can calm and quiet the mind inside of a cold tank, you can do it anywhere. And that's one of the greatest tools the cold plunge can give you. And it looks fantastic. And it's got the best filtration system on the planet. I'm getting out of my sauna into this thing coated in sweat. I'm not cleaning myself off in between. I don't have time for that. 
And about once every six weeks, I change the water up. That's it. It's got an ozone filter and a ton of other really cool things that keep that water fresh. It never smells nasty. It looks incredible. And it works better than anything. It, it hovers right at 39 degrees. And contrary to the chest freezer, it's pumping water. So that water moves and it feels colder than 33 degrees in an ice bath. Because honestly, if you get in an ice bath and the water's not moving, slowly outside of your skin, you're going to create this little bubble of not quite 33 degrees where the water has met your skin and it meets somewhere in between. But with that water moving, as they do in the cold plunge, there's, n- <laughs> there's never a time where I'm like, all right, this is easy. I got this. I'm just going to stay in as long as I want. I always get out, I always shiver, I always got to do my breath work, but in there, slowing things down, I do four, seven, eight, so four seconds in, seven seconds hold, eight seconds out, all nasal, and that was taught by Dr. Andrew Wheel. I think it's one of the most phenomenal combinations to add to your cold plunge, but check it out, thecoldplunge.com, code KKP for $111 off. That's H-T-T-P-S colon forward slash forward slash T-H-E-C-O-L-D-P-L-U-N-G-E dot com and use KKP at checkout. Did you know that over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium and that is the number one mineral to fight stress, fatigue, and sleep issues? My work schedule has been rather hectic lately. I have some travel coming up, and we do have a one-year-old and a six-year-old, and I'm noticing it's starting to really wear me down. And even when I'm getting all my workouts in, practicing meditations, or doing whatever I can to, to keep my stress levels low, I still feel like I'm stressed. This was how I felt before using uh, Magnesium Breakthrough, to be perfectly honest. And uh, you know, there is one phase of sleep which is responsible for most of our body's daily rejuvenation, repair, controlling hunger, and weight loss hormones, boosting energy, and so much more. I'm talking about deep sleep. And before Magnesium Breakthrough, I was feeling that I could not get enough deep sleep. In fact, it was showing up on my aura ring. And even though I'm not uh, too big into the tracking now, this was the case for a long time. Fatigue and tiredness, muscle cramps, all sorts of things were showing up in my life before adding this seven essential forms of magnesium into my diet. So magnesium is the single most studied mineral in existence. It powers over 600 critical reactions in our bodies. I went into detail on this with Bioptimizer's founder, Wade Lightheart. Check that episode out if you have not. It is a deep dive into all things um, plant medicine and beyond, but specifically uh, magnesium. I wanted to really get a a gnosis from uh, the expert behind this great product. And he dropped a ton of knowledge and a ton of science. So Wade Lightheart, uh, one of my favorite guests on this podcast. And listen, most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic and not full spectrum. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation, no cramping during workouts and less stress. With one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms. I can't tell you enough about the wonders magnesium breakthrough has worked for me in my life. It's already helping with all sorts of things from sleep to my workouts, especially since doing sauna and ice bath therapy every single morning. The one thing I was concerned with was dropping a lot of water in the morning because you know you don't just sweat out water, you sweat out salt and electrolytes. And you also sweat out minerals like calcium and magnesium and other things. And having this supplemented with my, you know, with my 
evening cocktail has made all the difference in the world. I do not cramp when I'm working out. And for 16 of the last 14 days, this has been my morning routine. An hour of sauna and three minutes plus of ice bath between two rounds stacked together. And that has not been an issue since adding magnesium breakthrough through all this. I sleep better. I feel great. And you will too. Check it out at www.magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo and enter code Kingsboo10 at checkout. I know that's a long URL, but we've got it linked to in the show notes like everywhere else. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H forward slash Kingsboo and use promo code Kingsboo10 for 10% off any order. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. After experiencing his own transformation through the power of juicing foods, Drew Canoli, the Organifi founder, set out to inspire others by helping them transform their health through personal coaching programs. Drew quickly realized there was a need for a solution that would give people access to the highest quality nutrition to support their health and wellness goals while on the go. So this is a cool thing, you know, like Drew, Drew spent a long time juicing, he spent a long time figuring out what were some of the healthier things, and he built a huge following, and then he, he saw, see a need, fill a need. He saw a huge need for people to have portable nutrition on the go to round out their diet. And this is what he did. The thing that, you know, if I'm going to compare Organifi's products to juicing, a lot of people are like, well, isn't it fresher or better if I just get it from the fresh juice? And the truth is... Juice tastes like shit, unless you add a lot of sugar. Let's be, let's be perfectly honest here. Celery juice, you can kind of get used to, but you want to add cilantro and some of these other big-time ingredients, it's not going to taste good unless you sweeten it up. And if you add a single apple, a juiced apple contains a ton of sugar. Not only is it not keto, but for, forget about that. It's, it's just adding sugar to your diet. That's not the way nature intended it. In fact, most apples, before we started tinkering with them, were really fibrous and hard. They weren't nearly as sweet as they were. Same thing with bananas. Same thing with pretty much every fruit we have. So if you're adding fruit to your juice, no, it's not going to help you lose weight and it's not going to help you be healthy. And the small amount of vitamins and minerals that are in that, sorry, it's not worth the squeeze. So how do you get a great tasting greens juice that doesn't have all the sugar? You get it from Organifi, plain and simple. And you can take this with you anywhere. It goes on my carry-on. It's in uh, to-go packets when I just have a fanny pack and I'm going to be out all day long. I've actually been missing, <laughs> this isn't a part of the read, but I love Kratom and I've been adding it to my Kratom because Kratom doesn't mix well in water. And guess what? Just like greens juice, Kratom does not taste good. But when you mix it with Organifi greens, it tastes amazing. And uh, that's that's really the, that's my hack for the day. Uh, we should have a creative sponsor coming up here, so maybe they won't mind if I combine the two, um, at least at least uh, on occasion. But I'll tell you right now, regardless if you take kratom or not, it is one of the best ways to add something to your diet that is going to round out with superfoods like ashwagandha, chlorella, and a number of other things that you wouldn't juice anyways, right? I certainly, I juiced for a long time back in the day. I never added ashwagandha to my juice mixes. And there was a lot more carbohydrates than was healthy for my particular genetics. But Organifi is, is just a phenomenal company. They're more than a superfood company. They're a lifestyle. With roots in transformational coaching, they discovered the power of mindset and community in creating sustainable change. These guys use only the highest quality ingredients. And like I said, it'll contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. 
and glyphosate free. This is a big one as we're talking about what Bill Gates and Monsanto are trying to do with our food supply. It is ever important to support companies like this that are doing 100% organic and are really uh, keeping their mind on what is regenerative, what is healthy, as above, so below, not only for your body, the earth inside you, but the earth outside of you as well. I absolutely love this company. I love Drew Cannoli, and I love everything they offer. Everything tastes great. I've been telling you guys that I've been using the red before workouts, and it's been phenomenal. I I notice uh, less acidic when I'm working out in higher rep ranges, and I just feel good. I feel like I have energy throughout the day using these products. Bear loves it. You can mix it with Kratom. You can mix it with anything. I've actually mixed it into some of Wolf's uh, sprouted oatmeal, and she absolutely loves it. It's an excellent way to sweeten things that aren't necessarily sweet without adding a ton of sugar and other stuff. Um, takes just 30 seconds. You shake it up or you use one of them little whisker jobs. 600 milligrams of clinically proven ashwagandha are in the greens. There's a whole host. And any one of these products that you try, there is a whopper, a clinical grade dose of some of the most effective superfoods on the planet. Uh, if you're talking about the gold, they have a lot of lemon bomb in it. I think 300 milligrams plus, and that's just off the top of my head, not on the read. So don't sue me if I'm wrong, but they have lemon balm, which is a phenomenal way to unwind. They have turmeric. They have a number of things that help you chillax in the evening before you're about to shut down. So whether it's the green, the red, the gold, the blue, or anything in between, these guys have it all over at Organifi.com. Check it out. That's www.organifi.com slash KKP and use code KKP for 20% off everything in the whole store. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. And after the long-awaited, here we go. Jamie Kilstein. I thought it was great. Dude, what's up? You Let's talk. Um, the last time you were on the podcast... Couple we were years? in Phoenix. Yep. Two years ago, maybe. Was it? Mm, maybe a year ago. Oh, I mean, before COVID. Yeah. So two years ago. Definitely. Not, didn't you come out? No, you came out. Was it COVID? To the ranch. So I came out to Sedona. So that was a separate trip from the podcast. Okay. We were going to podcast uh, in Sedona at the Fit for Service retreat. And then I got there and you were like, you know what, man? Just fucking enjoy the drums. And then we Ooh. just didn't podcast. We just hung out. That was two years. It yes. was two years ago because I think I had, um, yeah, that was the first year we went to Sedona for Fit for Service at the end of the year. I mean, we do it every year, but I'm just trying to rehash. I think that's the uh, yeah wild LSD wild ride on the mountain <laughs> happened in Sedona after we podcasted in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I remember... Uh, but it was after your accidental massive mushroom dose. That's how I track time of our friendship is your drug experience. That, that, that mushroom dose wasn't accidental. The LSD one was. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it was around that same yeah, time. Yeah, right around that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah, because I was still in a relationship. I think I was new to Arizona um, because I, uh, I met a girl in LA and it was the first time like either of us had done dating sites and we were so fucking miserable doing these dating sites that we kind of just settled for each other where I'm like, you're nice. And she's like, you're not a creep. And then very quickly, it was uh, apparent that it wasn't going to work. But 
we just so didn't want to go back to that dating pool that instead of being like, hey, we should probably talk or maybe just be friends, we were like, it's probably Los Angeles's fault. And then we moved. We just fucking were like, let's just go to a new city. And so we packed up all of our shit. We packed up my little cat. And then we moved to, uh, Tucson, like outside of Tucson. And that was the first time that I had not lived in like New York or LA. So it was the first time that I had like mountains. Where'd was you in grow nature. up? Jersey. Okay. So I was always like, when I started comedy at like 16, 17, I was just taking the train back and forth to New York, then dropped out of high school and then just squatted in New York. So like my, most of my adult life was either traveling or in the city. Damn. Yeah, dude. And then you moved out, to, when did you move out to LA? Uh, after the divorce. So like, well, I was way older. So probably like 32 or something like that. So, you know, and I was only there for like three years. You got married in your twenties? Sure did, buddy. Sure Damn, did. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird it didn't work out, right? <laughs> Weird it went down in fucking flames. Yeah, I mean, like, we were kind of talking about this before the podcast where I, there's part of me that, you know, was codependent and there's part of me that's like a whimsical fucking idiot. And I don't know if you go through this. So I hate when people kind of like, and I've caught myself doing this, like, you know, when people sort of double down on their flaws where they're like, I'm just the dude who doesn't work out or like, I'm just the jealous girl or I'm just the blackout drunk. And you're just like, come on, man. Um, like you, you, you take the label and then cement it in with, yeah. a, with a coffin and nails. Yeah. And, 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 cement. If, and if you say it confidently, you almost like you're bragging about it. And yeah. so then your body is like cool with it. Yeah. Um, that happened a lot when I was doing stand up because in stand up, like being a degenerate is sort of encouraged. You, you literally get rewarded. You get laughs from it by talking about what a fuck up you are, by talking about a toxic relationship, by talking about like being like a drunk, like whatever it is. And, uh, you know, like if you got up, if I got up on like a stand up stage and I was like, Hey, who here journals? I'm like, boo, you know what I mean? Like it would be very weird. <laughs> and so that was one of the reasons I've kind of like slowly stepped away from that. But, um, but I do kind of stand by this. I don't, so I'm calling myself out. I don't know if this is me doubling down on a flaw, but I would still, the codependency, obviously I've been working on, but when it comes to like the whimsical romantic bullshit, I would still sort of rather be that than completely jaded and like fuck women or like, I just want to fuck or whatever. Like I still do like having that sort of, I don't know, like hopeful magic part in my head. I don't um, think there's anything wrong with the happy, you know, the, the fairy tale ending, you know, that we're all promised with the white picket fence. Yeah. Like if you, if you <laughs> yes. kind of have that pie in the sky picture of what marriage is like, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's as, as detrimental as some people would. Naivety will fuck you no matter where you get, as long as you go down the path far enough. You know what I'm saying? That's it's a like, great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So whether you're a jaded idiot or whether you're like a, a romantic, it's like, you're still going to get you're still going to get, you, get you always have an opportunity to learn. Yes. You know? Well, and I, you know, what was really interesting is, so I haven't done non-monogamy, but during last year, so, so me and that girl broke up, obviously uh, it was, it was a very nice, lovely breakup, helped her move out, uh, all that. But then that same week, so this is my COVID year, that same week, my cat died. And that I was fucking devastated, wrecked. I mean, fuck. Tosh literally for Christmas made me like a mug with pictures of me and Talib, Talib Kitty, named after the rapper Talib Kweli. And uh, that was the first time I looked at a picture of him. That was like a year later. And I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. And now, now the mug, I don't think I told her this. Maybe I did. The mug's on like my altar. So it's like a Krishna, a Buddha, 
um, a bracelet that Ramdas made, and then like a mug of my fucking cat that like you guys got me for Christmas. Um, and <laughs> it's the fucking best altar out there. Um, and so when that happened is when I sort of doubled down on all of the things. Like I've, 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 I was single for the first time in my life at 38 during the year of COVID. So I was pretty much either I could be depressed and the narrative could be, I'm always alone, every, I don't have anybody, blah, blah, blah. Or that's when I started making the videos on Instagram. That's when I did the jujitsu podcast to go along with the other podcast. That's when I started waking up early. I mean, talk about codependence, right? I've wanted to be someone who wakes up early and read. I've talked about it for like a decade and I never did because if a girlfriend didn't want to do it, I would be like, whatever you want, just don't leave me, right? And and then write that off as me being like, I'm a good boyfriend instead of, no, I'm not doing the things that I need to actually be a, a good boyfriend. Started meditating for the first time, went down the whole psilocybin uh, 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 path and uh, and that's kind of all the things that brought me to to Austin, but it came off of breakup, cat dying, COVID year by myself. And now I'm in this sort of reintegration period, you know, where I'm like, maybe I'm ready to date. Mm, Still got some shit to work out, like all of that back and forth. But man, that year alone was the greatest year ever. And so that's what I was talking about. So not monogamy. So I, I've also, even though I was single, I was reading about relationships and I was reading about non-monogamy, but I was also reading like a lot of monks who were celibate. And Part of my addictive personality wanted to go, well, I'll either be polyamorous or celibate, which is like quite a fucking spectrum. And then my friends would be like, why don't you just date? I'm like, nah, nah, man, I gotta go. I gotta go all the way with one. Yeah. And and then what I've landed on is sort of how Bruce Lee talks about martial arts, right? Which is uh, take what's useful, disregard what's useless, add what's your own. Where even if I do want, let's say a monogamous relationship, let's say a fairy tale, whatever, how can I take the best of non-monogamy? How can I take that communication, that lack of possessiveness, that, you know, everything they have? um, How can I take uh, from these fucking monks, right? Like making sure I have time to go inward and it's not all about this external, make sure my my girlfriend's validating me or or whatever. And so I think that's how, I think with enough like self-awareness and work, that's how you can at least approach the still wanting to find my soulmate in Austin without being like a total fucking knob, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think the beautiful thing too is like the more work you do on yourself, the higher you elevate. And this is where it'll get weird woo-woo or quantum or whatever the, whatever the heck no, you no, want to no. call that. I, like I get in a lot of trouble for the F-bomb. So I will try to curtail that from my listeners. I love you and I do curse and I see no issues with it. Oh, that F bomb. Um, I thought like but, you were dry. Oh, well, then they're going to hate me, buddy. <laughs> no, that's all good gravy. Uh, what was I going to say here? The so, work you do on yourself elevates your vibration, period. 100%. Yes. Period, period, period. Yes, yes, yes. And, and if nothing else, on a non um, quantum level or a non energetic level, the work you do is like adding tools to your toolbox, mm-hmm. right? So the better you are as a, as Jamie, the yeah. better you are in relationship, the better you are as a dad, the better you are as a coach, the better you are at every single yes. thing you touch. So that's why you do the work not to land the big fish. You do that work to keep totally. and stay in relationship with yourself and to stay in relationship with everything else around you. Yeah, and also be okay with not being in one. I think that's where, you know, because before I would meet a girl, I mean, dude, in my 30s, 
Like I've slept with hundreds of people and I still, every time I sleep with someone new, am shocked it's happening. Like I still feel like that 16 year old kid looking for playboys in the woods where I'm still just like, is this fucking happening? Is this girl having sex with me? Uh, and I still have that sort of like shock. And that's a lack of she confidence. Said yes. She said yes, she, she said, said yes. yes. And that, <laughs> that is a, a lack of confidence. And a lot of times, now that I'm saying this out loud, I would also flash back to- well, now I have to keep her and very possessive, not possessive in like a creepy way, but like, how am I going to not fuck this up? Like I'm already on day one thinking about sacrifices that I'll make um, to, to make her not go away. Whatever she wants. Whatever she wants. And now being in a place where, yes, a relationship would be great, but even if I find one and then it doesn't work a week later, a month later, a year later, being super content with who I am as a person in a relationship and out of a relationship. That's another thing that I feel like you get because I think one of the reasons that if not the, I think one of the biggest problems in relationships, we can talk about infidelity. We can talk about lying. We can talk about all these things, but the, the, the core of it for, for a lot, at least for me, it was being afraid to get out of the relationship. So either because being alone is a stigma or you think you're going to f- fuck it up or you think you're not going to get something better. And so a lot of people who have like explosive breakups, maybe if they got out of that relationship a year ago, I think I, I've been thinking about that recently with some of mine, you can still be friends. I mean, the fact that most of us have our exes all a block, like people we said, I love you to people we had inside jokes with people. We told our deepest secrets to now we're just like straight up, like blocked on Instagram or That's, avoided at the I, supermarket. That's I think wild. what you're saying though, is it's like, yes. And also you could have, you could have done it differently. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So like, oh yeah, God, oh, totally. if they just got it out earlier, it's like, or if they just communicated better, or yes. if they just meditated together, or if they just went to yoga, or yep. if they just had a journey to the Amazon yeah. and do ayahuasca together, like, yeah. or a million infinite possibilities that would have changed the course of that yes. and made it at least uh, cool yep. in, the, in the exit, right? Or maybe they don't need to exit at that point. Right, 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 right. right. And, but I think the, the, the clinginess, the clinging on to forcing something that maybe has run its course that maybe, you know, even with exes that I I don't talk to anymore, I've been much more, I, 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 I've been thinking about like good times more and not in like a wistful nostalgic way, but just to know like, why should I bury that? Like that Jamie and that version of that girlfriend did this really dope thing or did this really brave thing or like really had each other's backs in, the, in that moment. And isn't that sort of, like that, that moment shouldn't die because it ended with both of us thinking we were assholes. You know what I mean? Like that moment, like those two people still did something awesome. Um, and I mean, essentially, w- w- once my divorce happened, I was like, I could be bitter or could try to do all this stuff we're talking about. And I, I can tell you, I do not know. I mean, especially because like I was suicidal when it happened and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know if I would be here if I chose like the bitter path. And the bitter path th- seems easy right? It, it's fun to get around with your boys and just be like, fuck women, like, or whatever. But man, like seeing people who go down that path, it's just uh, no fun. You've you listened to uh, Paul Selig at all? Only on your guys' podcast, like on Aubrey's podcast. And you got to get one of his books. I have. Yeah, I haven't Aud- got his books. Audible's fantastic. He has a new trilogy called Beyond the Known Realization. His third and final book of this trilogy is about to come out. I think later this year, Jade's going to have him back on the podcast. Oh, that's cool. Jade Bryce. I love Jade. Um, but I'm listening to his second book in that series. 
uh, alchemy. Okay. And it's, it's the best that he's ever channeled. And for a lot of people that are like, oh, channeling, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, understand this. As with anything in life, whether it's um, plant medicines, like yep. there's a lot of people like, oh, yeah, I serve ayahuasca. Yeah. Like, oh, you serve ayahuasca. Cool. You know, like a lot of people, like, I do jujitsu. Yeah. Oh, you do jujitsu. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right? I did there's- a free trial class after a Conor McGregor fight. And yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So you've got white belts, you've got a couple day a week guys, you've got black belts, you've sure. got black belts like me who have taken the last two and a half years mostly. I probably train a dozen, maybe two dozen times that's in the why, last two and a half years. That's why I asked you to train today. I'm coming at you early. <laughs> Come at you hard. That, that, you know what I'm saying? And then there's then there's black belts like fill in the blank who have never stopped, who have yes. been coaching ever since they got their black belt and have continued to be in tournaments, Bro, right? Oh yeah. So they never took their foot off the pedal. Same thing goes for jujitsu, same thing goes for channeling, same thing goes for anything. So when I talk about selling, consider what this guy can do. I'm not, if somebody tells me they channel or like, oh, this medium guy, I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm like 99% of you listening right now. Yeah. But Selig will write a book in front of a live audience at Esalon in Big Sur in California, in front of uh, 200 people in New York. He, it's done through dictation and he brings these guys through. He mumbles something and then he says it out loud yeah. and he mumbles it and then he says it out loud. And he does this for 17 days straight. And what you get is the book. That's crazy. You get a book yeah. that is absolutely coherent with some of the most palpable spiritual gems you'll ever hear. And it's, it, yeah. even if you just listen to it, it is an encoded transmission. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, and I'll say, man, like you and Aubrey's podcast have really helped me a lot in getting to, getting to know you and getting to know Eric. And because- I came from a very Brooklyn hipster, atheist, um, shit on anything that's fun world. And, but I've always had this part of me since I was a kid that, again, that wonderment part, right? And wanting to explore and feeling like there's something else. And even when I called myself an atheist, it was just because... You know, I was doing stand up under the Bush administration and defending gay people, which means I was kind of attacking the church and attacking um, uh, the administration. And so then these atheist groups would be like, hey, we're attacking the church. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of like agnostic or spiritual. And they're like, but, but we're all atheists. And I was like, all right. And, you know, my wife was. And so I just kind of just kind of went with it. And meeting you and hearing these podcasts and hearing these guests, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I do the same preface as you do, right? I'm like, this is going to sound, I don't say woo woo, but I'll literally to someone I care about, but, but right before I'm about to say something that I'm incredibly passionate about that has literally changed my life. I can't just say it. I have to be like, this is going to sound stupid or I'll, 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 I'll try to give it some kind of like scientific language. So if I'm talking about raising your vibration or law of attraction, I'll go, it's like sports psychology where if you positively visualize, I'm like you guys like sports, right? That's not stupid. <laughs> and I'll try to make it sound more, more grown up. And it's so crazy that even at your level, the need to preface or, you know, with me, the need to preface. And so with Selig, obviously, um, that was something I'd be like, that's bananas. But I feel like for the people listening, you can still get great shit out of it. Like the first time I heard him, I think it was on Aubrey's, I was sort of 
like even if he is full of shit, which I don't think he is, the content's fucking good. You know, if you couldn't, he, I mean, like I don't know. You talk to any author, period. Any author who yeah. writes, you're not. You couldn't just babble your oh, no, way to a hundred percent a full length. But these coherent are coherent. Thirteen hours on Audible. These are full length books. Totally. You know? But I'm, and he's doing them live. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, so like he's had this pre recorded in his mind. And right. Even then, if he was going based off memory alone, he wouldn't be able to regurgitate. Oh, that. dude. I mean, if I'm doing fifteen minutes of new stand up, I have to spend that entire day like kind of walking through it, talking about it. And I'm pretty loose. I'm not like stick to script, but I'm like my car on the way. And that's 15 minutes of new stuff. And I probably won't even do that much. Usually it'll be like eight minutes of new stuff and then the rest will be uh, something I know will work. Um, so I didn't even know that about him, but I'm saying for the people who haven't even read his books and just don't even listen to that episode of the podcast, once I started hearing the, the content of what he was saying, I was sort of like, I don't care. That would be cool if he was channeling. That would fucking be dope. That would be nuts. Um, but also if he's not, am I going to ignore this uh, potentially life-changing information because I want to be like, man, I know better. I don't know. I don't know anything. There's so many of the things that I thought I knew. Uh, I don't know. Whether it's a, a political, definitely spiritual, certainly with psychedelics, 100% with like who I am as a man. <laughs> like we don't know. And it's so crazy that the majority of people politics, spiritually, whatever, almost see it as a flaw to change their mind or see it as a flaw to be like, I'm a little more conservative now, or I'm a little more spiritual, or I'm an atheist or whatever. That fear of going back on something, same with the relationships, right? That maybe isn't bringing you joy anymore. You'd rather just sort of stick with the, the mediocreness that you know, instead of sort of venture out. And my life has gotten substantially better since I've started listening to people who I A, disagree with, B, thought I would disagree with, and turns out I don't. Oh, uh, this is good. This is good. You right, know keep, what I mean? I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, do wanna, it. No, wanna, no, do I it. I want to dive into that. Yeah, okay. So t- we want to just dive in? Oh, yeah. Like, tell, yeah me, tell me somebody who you thought you disagree with and you ended up, you ended up liking. Uh, Tim Kennedy. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> this is gold. That came so fast. Uh, Tim Kennedy, as of two weeks ago. So this is also like new. So if you, okay, so whale Jamie is just straight up, mm, that's not true. I wanted to say anti-military, but like I used to speak, you know, I grew up listening to Bill Hicks and Carlin and um, very anti-war, very liberal. Um, and... Carlin also knew deep state better than anybody. Sure did, buddy. That guy. These guys don't give a fuck about you. So ahead of his time. (laughs) So ahead of his time. And, you know, his daughter actually gave me my first uh, TV appearance, Kelly Carlin, who's really cool. She's like a really spiritual, like she's awesome. Um, And for me, I actually think that criticizing a war not being anti-troop. I think a lot of the left gets to anti-troop, which is where I sort of drifted, just assuming that if you're a Jocko or if you're whatever, you are this cartoonish stereotype of like a military guy. And so I would have never listened to Jocko or anyone like that who has also like changed my life. And, but I always think there's a middle, right? So to me, instead of going from total anti-war to support everything the military does, 
because some people do that, right? When they when when they switch sides, quote unquote, they'll go from like feminist to to anti-feminist, or they'll go from you know uh, uh, liberal to like alt right. And I think part of that is because maybe they feel hurt by their side. Like that was very tempting for me when I sort of like after the divorce and like all that sort of blew up just to be like, I just want to go to the opposite of this, right? This is terrible. And then you end up in the same patterns with the other side. So that I've really fought doing. Um, but I also think that there's a middle ground with everything from COVID to Black Lives Matter to you know the most contentious issues right now. If you assume that people are good and trying to do what they think is the best, you will actually agree, and this is going to the Kennedy thing, with way more than you think you do. Um, so like with, with the war, I can still question wars, but I actually see that as a very pro-troop stance where instead of being like, fuck the troops, I'm going to go, no, 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 no. Fuck these politicians who are going to send these people over to die for a cause that just profits them, has nothing to do with our safety, oftentimes will uh, increase, uh, turn moderates into militants because we're fucking killing civilians. And then when they come back, not give a shit about their mental health or, you know, you look at the suicide rates and, and all that stuff. So I actually think it's a very pro-troop stance to question the war. That's kind of where I've landed on middle ground wise. But- before it's like, if you were a troop, I just assumed you're going to hate me and I'm going to disagree with you. And Tim Kennedy, uh, his Instagram is not, there's not a lot of metaphor there. It's very like, this is how I feel. And when you look at his Instagram, it just seems like, you know, I'd be this little liberal Austin kid and he's this very conservative um, military guy. And so he comes on my jujitsu podcast and we have a great conversation. We talk about fighting, but we also do talk about, you know, it was at the height of the protests and we talked about finding a lot of common ground there. And he invited me to do the, the sheepdog course, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, so Tim Kennedy runs a sheepdog response and it's a self-defense course that it'll combine uh, firearms. It'll combine grappling with weapons. It'll uh, basic jujitsu, uh, hand-to-hand combat, and then situational awareness. So wildly important and also like fucking cool, like very cool. And... So he invited me. And now when I first went there, dude, I thought I was, I, I almost left. It was like, I walked in and it was just a room full of like armed white dudes. I'm in my little skinny jeans. They all have like their fucking tactical gear on. Uh, at the range, there was literally a sign that said like hippies use the back door. And I'm like, well, that's me. <laughs> and then, oh, and then even worse than that. So the first day it's in the classroom because, you know, you don't want to uh, uh, meet someone for the first time and suddenly you're all shooting guns. So it's the situational awareness day. And they do like a, a, like a profiling drill where they show pictures of people and they're like, what do you think of this and whatever. And the first picture they show to kind of get a laugh is this tattooed, bearded, I think he's wearing like suspenders, looks like a, like a barista kind of type, like a Brooklyn barista. And they're like, what do you think when you, when you see him? And all of these armed motherfuckers next to me are like, Austin, piece of shit, uh, influencer. Like they were a step away from just being like, gay. And I was just, and I'm looking around, I'm like, guys, it's me. You're talking about me right now. And, and I just made you drink. Yeah, yeah. And I was terrified. I was terrified. And so, after that core, I was like, I don't know if I want to, I'm like, I kind of wanted to fight him, but I was like, I don't know if I want to be around. I've never shot a gun before. Like, do I want to be doing this? And, and then the instructors came up to me and I vibed so hard with them because 
we have a lot of stuff in common, they're right? The best, Jiu-jitsu, dude. they are the I've become friends with absolutely all of them. Um, and the one who I thought would hate me the most, like just a gigantic uh, Chantry. Yeah, he's become one of my like closest dude, buddies. He's amazing. Dude, I text him often. And he's one of the coolest guys. And you know, I, I joked about how uncomfortable I felt. And they're like, dude, we'll cover you. Uh Travis recognized me from I think some of my jujitsu videos. And then the next day I got to go and like bring it and they saw that I was good at jujitsu. And so I think that combination of me being kind of self-deprecating, but also can do the stuff, you know, really, uh, it gave me confidence and, and we just all sort of connected. And I was like, wow, these guys are, these guys are awesome. And me and Chantry have actually had this conversation that we're having about, you know, me thinking all law enforcement is this or all military is that or whatever, like really cool conversations about it. And... So we do the whole course. Me and Tim totally get along. It's great. I have a blast. Um, they're very complimentary. They're very sweet. And and it's also sort of unlocking this new, because even when we started hanging out, like I got some issues with masculinity after like that marriage, after being in the world I was in. And, and it's sort of unlocking all this stuff that I think was always there that I was suppressing. And so Tim... I go to Tim, I go, I don't know if you saw that video we did, but we did like a comedy video about like jujitsu versus weapons. And at the end of the course, I go, I framed it as, hey, if you want to do this comedy video, I have this idea that's kind of funny and, and I can do it as a thank you for letting me do this course and we can like promote the course. And he was like, look around, dude. I don't need to promote the course. He was like, this shit sold out for ever. But he goes, but what I do want, and this is in front of nobody. This is just me and him, like in the corner somewhere. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm violating his trust by saying it out loud, but I think it'll be fine. Um, it makes him look great. <laughs> he goes, uh, he's like, these pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> if I had to pre-qualify selling, this is, this is, this takes the cake. This <laughs> takes true. the cake. Buddy. That's true. That's so true. And, um, and he goes, I just don't want it to all be white guys. You know, I was like, yeah, it does kind of look like a militia meeting. And he was like, I want women. I want LGBT. I want Muslims. I want Jews. I want whatever. If you told me that the first, that me, I would become friends with Tim Kennedy and he would use the words LGBT, like that acronym. I was just like, what the hell is this? And of course he wants to help them. He wants to help communities who are being targeted, right? Because he wants to help people. And this sounds, I mean, your conservative listeners are probably just going to be like, yeah, of course, idiot. But I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bullet and, and say it out loud because it sounds ridiculous. But a lot of people on the left, just like a lot of people on the right, assume that you know people on the left have these stereotypes. Just assume that, yeah, if you're a conservative, you either don't like or don't care about gay people, black people, Asian people, Jewish people, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is an insane, horrible thing to think. And- also stops the conversation. If I want to have a conversation with someone and show them my point of view, opening up by calling them a Nazi or whatever, probably not the best uh, intro, right? And I had this moment and I told Tim this, like to his face, and I'll say it on the podcast, which is that teaching gay people, teaching targeted communities, communities of color, how to defend themselves how to feel strong, how to be safe is as a conservative or, you know, Tim will probably call himself like a he's, freedom lover. I think he's li libertarian. Liber yeah, he seems yeah. very libertarian. I mean, he also, I think the reason I vibe with him is he knows people on both sides are full of shit, which is kind of where I've landed. Um, offering to do that for those communities is infinitely more 
than I ever did when I was all popular and self-righteously tweeting, right? Or so many of the left that probably disdain someone like Tim, if not Tim himself or despise. It's like, well, are you, are you doing that? Are you trying to teach these communities of color to protect themselves? Like that to me was so, it was such a crazy aha moment where it's like, oh, right. Of course you want to help people. Now, Tim's very special, right? Chantry's very special. These are also, these aren't your sort of average people who are just talking politics on the internet. They've literally saved lives before and dedicated their lives to, to that. Um, I think that's why I vibe a lot harder with, let's say, fighters or people like that who I may disagree with because they also, there's, there's a humility when you're a fighter or, or something like that. Um, but man, yeah, just that moment of like, you're doing more than I ever did when I was self-righteously judging people like you was sort of my like, huh, like stab in the heart moment. He's but, in the arena. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But also what a beautiful thing to realize later in life where if we disagree, that doesn't automatically stop everything. In fact, the people I'm the closest with right now I do disagree with a lot of stuff, but I'm the closest with them because one, they're just good people, but two, we can challenge each other. But three, the most idealistic, most important is we go, wait a second, we agree on all this stuff. Why don't we actually do something to help people? You know, it was like when I was still vegan and me and Rob Wolf had a conversation and, you know, Rob Wolf, the big paleo dude. And suddenly it's like, oh, we both don't like sugar and we both hate factory farms and we both hate the abuse of animals. So why instead of us, you know how me and Robert Wolf met? He went on Rogan and somebody, when I was still on Twitter, like tagged me and he was like, you should go after the cuck Jamie. And then I emailed Rob and I was like, hey buddy, it's a cuck from Twitter. I actually think we'd be friends. Like I like your internet. And then we became friends just over email. Like that's how it happened. That's dope. Yeah, it's really cool. And so like me and him talking or there's another Austin guy. Um, do you know this guy, Jeff Gonzalez? Yeah, he's been on the podcast. Oh yes. Oh my God. That's how I discovered him was on your podcast. <laughs> yes. So he was, he was wonderful on your podcast. He's another great example where he's helping me learn to shoot. I've been an anti-gun guy my entire life and we're doing like jujitsu for firearm, like trading. And he's just a good dude. And asking him, like, what do you think we should do about mass shootings? Or what do you think we should do about police training? Suddenly I'm getting all of these incredibly educated answers that he doesn't get to give on TV. And the reason he doesn't get to give it on TV is because whenever something like that happens, everyone on the left goes, everyone in the NRA is pro mass shooting and we need to take away all the guns. And then everyone on the right goes, they're coming for our guns. Instead of the experts, who are people like Jeff, right? These experts who have trained, who have trained law enforcement, who have seen mass shootings, who have studied these things. Instead of asking the experts, hey, what do you think we should do to stop it? They don't even get the chance to talk about that because it's us versus them. It's we're going to take your guns. No, you're not going to take our guns. So not only am sort of I obviously evolving as a person and I have changed my mind on some things, which I think is great. And I have sort of stuck my ground on some things as well, but also learning that if we just stopped yelling at each other on Twitter um, or Instagram or whatever and talk a lot of times people who seem like polar opposites still have the same goals. Um, and we never get to see that because we're just demonizing the other side. Yeah. That's, that brings up a whole lot of topics for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> One of the things that I was thinking of since you're 
California and New York background before making it to Tucson briefly. Yep. You're, you're like me coming from the West Coast. You know, I was born and raised in the Silicon Valley, spent right. some time at ASU, but outside of that, always in California. Yes. And coming here earlier, like four years ago, and really seeing the things unfold last year and seeing how it's shaped out politically. Now, let me spell that out for people. Yeah. I realize there's probably a lot of young progressives. And as I've mentioned before with disclaimers, I am likely far more progressive than conservative. Yeah. But what have we seen in California and New York? What have we seen in the city of Austin versus the rest of the state? Yeah. Right? Like the, the, the lockdowns are still going on in California and New York. Yeah. I'm walking around without a mask in any store I want right now. Yep. No one's getting sick. UFC went to Jacksonville, Florida for the first live event in over a year. Super spreader event. Everyone's drinking and screaming on each other and shoulder yeah. to shoulder. No one gets fucking sick. Crazy. No one gets sick in Houston, right? Like this, there's a, there's a, that's a episodes upon episodes people can go through on my podcast or anyone else's to figure out just, just the absurdity of what has been in the last year and a half. Yep. So not to rehash that, but just to say that it has played out politically in a certain way. Well, can I just say too, cause but, I, I have some thoughts on that just real quick because, um, cause we haven't actually got to talk about it where I feel like the left did such a terrible job of mishandling it that I've actually seen it push a lot of people, not just more conservative on COVID, but people just being like, screw all these people and going like, like super right wing on a lot of issues. And because they did handle it so terribly and you said something really beautiful at the beginning of COVID, which I don't know if you remember when we were talking about masks and I wore my mask far longer um, than you guys, because you, what, what you said was kind of how I felt. You summed it up really beautifully where you're like, I don't think it does anything. This is before all the science uh, came out, but you're like, if it's going to make the person at the grocery store feel safer, sure. You know what I mean? And, and that's sort of how I felt where I was like, I'm not suddenly going to be like, my freedoms are going to be taken away. Like at the time, I'm like, if this is going to protect people, 100%, sure. It's and, funny because I mentioned that then. And then at this point now, like they are they are trying to take freedoms away. And you so know, this, and that's what's going to happen and, with a vaccine passport. And, so. and, and <laughs> yeah. And so this, so, so, this, so this was the creep, right? Uh, they call it like mission creep. Um, it did sort of creep into that. And, you know, for me, I was 100% posting stuff. Um, I've never been an anti-vaxxer. The way I told my family is I'm like, and I'm anti-this-vax for me because it's weird and I don't, I don't like it. Um, and me being able to change my mind, you know, me being able to... Do you remember when John Kerry, who I thought was going to be George Bush, because he was like, I served in Vietnam, I got a bunch of medals, and then I protested the war. Like, oh, the best of all the worlds, right? And what did they call him? A flip-flopper. And suddenly flip-flopper became this derogatory term. And the guy who called him that uh, dodged the draft, didn't even fight in Vietnam, right? And that is now such a, a bad thing where if I, I'm afraid to post that I'm not taking the vaccine on my Instagram because all of my it's not a vaccine. Let's let's just call that what it is. Yeah, you, sure. When you speak of anti-vax, pro-vax, or any of these terms that are meant to divide us, yeah, we're talking about a set of particular pharmaceuticals that existed all the way up until yeah. the COVID nineteen shot, which is a totally different and brand new technology and completely experimental. And by the way, this is what happens with fear. Like I haven't talked about the Bush administration in so long, but why did we essentially all support? 
going to invade these wrong countries that didn't attack us. We were terrified. Why is the left who, you know, part of, part of my duty on the left was to go after these pharmaceutical companies because these pharmaceutical companies were all evil forever um, until now where we're being sort of rewarded for, for blindly listening to them. Um, and I think just like fear took over after 9-11, fear took over right now. And the idea that I would be banished from the left for, let's say, agreeing with you on these issues or that you back in the day couldn't be like, hey man, I don't believe in the mask, but like if it's not making me sick and it's going to help this old lady feel better, like cool. Like I just like, that's the world I want to live in where we can have these conversations and defend each other and change our mind. Like, I, I mean, I can honestly say like a lot of the stuff that you guys have posted, I don't even, I don't agree with, but a lot of it has legitimately made me change my mind. And that's sort of awesome and sort of incredible. Whereas the world I came from before if suddenly one of my friends started posting something that I didn't agree with, it's kind of severed. Did you ever read Manus of Crowds by Douglas Murray? No, but you're the second person this week that told me to read that. I must I, read. I might, and everyone listening, even though I know you've heard me mention it a million times, most important book I've read in 2020. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't know where we got on the COVID tangent, but we kind of went off the rails. We were talking guns yeah, before sorry, but- that. And... I think what it was bringing up for me is you coming from California, New York to Austin, me coming from California to Austin ahead of schedule. And then now seeing how this has played out politically in all the refugees that have moved here in the last year from California, New York, there's kind of a running joke. Don't forget how you, you know, don't forget why you left. Yeah, Yeah. Don't continue to vote the way that you did and make Texas become California or New York. Totally. Now, now, Obviously, there's far more nuance to it than just that. Yep. But I a understand the concern, and b understand that a conversation needs to be held. You know, and that that's really what I want to get down to is that I think the 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 hope in this for me is that this is where we have the conversation with people face to face, not online, not on Twitter, not nope. on Instagram. Nope. Austin may be the only place where you have the the salad bowl mm-hmm. of folks with completely different backgrounds yep. that are actually going to sit in a room together and not be able to just turn their phone off or, or text back, fuck you. Yeah. And just actually <laughs> yeah, be yeah, there yeah. and be like, all right, Hey, I can tell that you're not upset right now. Right. And you're just trying to communicate how you see it. And even though I don't disagree, um, because I'm right here, I'm going to continue to listen and then I'll offer what I think. And then yeah. we can go back and forth and we can actually play a little game of communication like normal people do. Totally. And this may be the place where we come to some sense on where we go going forward. Yes. And I think that leading with compassion is the key, right? So for me, moving to, for me, I've had to change a lot of my thinking. Because when I went back to, there were a couple of times I went back to visit LA to do like press when the new standup album came out. And I was like, this is dystopian. It was horrible. And it wasn't that, oh, I have to wear a mask. It was that you could feel the like rage of people. You could feel, I remember I was with Ryan Hall and Kenny Florian on the beach, far away from people without masks. And the, the, some of the looks we would get where it was just this constant, you were in this like very tense state. And, and then I come here and again, it's not about if I have to wear, you know, I still put on 
If I go into a store, so I have like the bandana mask. If I go into a store and the majority of people are wearing masks and I'm like, I'm going to be here for five minutes, whatever, I'll put it on. Um, and, but if I walk into a place and like no one is, then I'm like, we're gold. And you know, I've been doing jujitsu and for, since I've been here. And I think that obviously the small business, like just being here instead of just seeing it online. Cause maybe if I still lived in LA, I would actually be trashing places like Texas. What are they going to do? Oh my God, why are you doing this? Whatever. But literally being here and feeling the, uh, the, 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 just the lives and the energy and the joy and the happiness and hugging my friends and seeing that businesses aren't being boarded up. Even if I still was super wokey McLeft, whatever, like, how can I, how could I still say what they're doing is right? Like after being here, like I can't. And, and then that makes me go, oh, well, do I actually agree with more conservative policies than I think I do? And I maybe I want to look- sure that that's the case. No, 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 no. I, don't, yeah. I don't think it is either. But just being, just being open to that and being yeah. open to like, I would have assumed that under a Texas governor or whatever, I would just be livid about everything. And it's like, maybe I don't like a lot of other stuff he does, but this is the right move. And I'm actually really happy with this. And I think being able to- Again, admit that, see that um, is really important. And But I'm also a rare case where I came, I lived in LA and then I lived in Texas during all of this. And even when I was in Arizona, I think if I was still in LA when I did that year alone during COVID, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would have made it. I would have been, the depression would have just murdered me. Um, but because I was around people who were a little more calm, we could wave to each other, talk, you know, whatever. I could pet their dogs and no one freaked out, train a little bit. That's kind of what got me through. Then when I got to Texas, just all bets were off. It was just, oh, I'm living a normal life now. And the other thing I wanted to say about that was, was the compassion thing. So what I still sort of would like to encourage people to do more is when you said the, the refugee situation, the homeless situation. So I had a lot of people come up to me. So old me would have just been like, if you want the 10 cities gone, you're a monster, period. Just like think about the homeless people. They're sick, they're whatever. No questions asked. And I would have done it from not living here from afar, from in Brooklyn, right? And when I got here, like I saw how bad it was. And I saw that some of them definitely look dangerous. And some of them who don't, I've given money to, you know? Um, and I don't know what it's like to have kids. I don't know what it's like to walk by that with kids and see, you know, needles on the ground or whatever. Um. But what I didn't like was a lot of the people, and these were, so there, there was one event I went to where it was a bunch of richer people, is they would sort of come up to me and say that without knowing me. Be like, you're not going to vote though. You moved from LA. You're not going to vote though. You better vote to get the 10 cities out, whatever. And even though I kind of agree that those 10 cities are not good, at no point did any of them say, man, that's really sad. Like, or what are we going to do with the homeless people? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what do you guys want to do? Like, are we just going to like execute them? Are we just going to, and I'm not saying that they are thinking that way. And I'm also not saying that I disagree with them. But what I am saying is I would like, as these conversations continue, as we start talking to people who disagree, as we start realizing that like, oh, some of the, what the left did was like garbage, that we still act with compassion. And that we still go, okay, this is bad. And maybe we have to get the 10 cities out. But like, how can we help them? Um, and I think that right now in our discourse, there's not a lot of that. It's either you're um, 
pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-homeless, anti-homeless, pro-black people, anti... And it's not necessarily that. Um, And again, I think it just comes to how can we look for solutions instead of how can I scream my talking points at you to prove myself right so that someone retweets me. (laughs) And that's kind of it, right? That was my old life. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Douglas Murray really gets into forgiveness and a lot of different things that are, that are missing links. Dr. David E. Martin, the bowtie guy from Plandemic Indoctrination was Mm. just hanging out here in Texas again. And uh, he's been on the podcast twice. Something he talked about the second time uh, we talked about the second time he came on was that the reason it was included in our constitution um, that we would have the ability to practice all religions Mm. in the States came from, I think, Zoroastrian uh, culture in ancient Persia, which was was where they spoke of tolerance. And tolerance at that Mm. point didn't mean like, I'll tolerate the guy next to me who's an asshole. I can put up with it because he's my neighbor. Tolerance meant all the way to, I'm going to learn their language. I'm going to eat their food. I'm going to learn their customs. I'm not going to change myself, but I'm going to have participated in what it means to be like them. That's true tolerance. That's awesome. Right? And like, and, and look, it doesn't mean I'm going to buy a tent and go hang out in tent city so I can see what that's like for a night. Right. But, but the point is like, we, we come to a place of tolerance where it is beyond um, simply putting up with something we don't like. Yeah. Right. And further, <clears throat> whether you want to use compassion or any of these other terms further, there, there has to be a live and let live attitude. Mm-hmm. And if you're, whatever your beliefs are, as long as it hurts no one else yep. and does no harm, yep. you should be allowed to live that way. Totally. And it should only apply to yourself. Yep. So your idea behind the vaccine or this current brand new one, yep. which is different, I didn't know about that. then you may be able to live that way for yourself. Yep. But you do not decide that for me or my family. No. You decide it for yourself. No, no, no. And no government mandates. And it, this Biden switcheroo where he goes, oh, hey, we won't enforce the passport, but if corporations want to wink, wink, they can. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's, that's, that's how that's going to look. So he doesn't look like the bad guy, but bottom line is, and and Russell Brand put out a dope video on this. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's 15 minutes. It's on YouTube. And he makes some very clear points, you know, some very clear points about medicine in general, some very clear points about the government in general, and just gets to what does this look like downstream? Did we take away the cameras? Did we take away uh, our own government spying on us. Did we take away any of that stuff from the Patriot Act? No. Right. Has it gotten progressively worse? Yes. Yep. Is it here to stay indefinitely? Most likely. Well, and how interesting is that where the people who were the most uh, voraciously condemning the Patriot Act were me and people on the left? Because at that point, it was tied into the wars, the military industrial complex, spying on Muslims, like, and then uh, corporations like AT&T and the, the telecom uh, companies. And now we're sort of the people who are defending things like that. And, and again, I, I'm being very broad with like grouping sort of like purposely, but it's, it, it, it is, I think we all just need to admit that like we're, we're all sort of hypocrites, right? And, 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 and that the best we can do is monitor that and be like, wait a second, why was I pro or anti-Patriot Act, but I'm sort of like pro the government enforcing this or why am I? And, and we really don't, like I've never heard a phrase that way. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really, because 
I'll tell you, I didn't think it was going to get this bad. I thought it was just a bunch of conspiracy people talking and suddenly I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to do my show in Hawaii if I don't get the vaccine like in August? And like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. The sad part is that the conspiracy people, the David Ikes and Alex Jones have gotten much of this correct that, ahead of time. It's so crazy. That, <laughs> is, that is, that is uh, the sad truth. And it doesn't mean you need to start watching them or listening to them to, to see what, what are the other things that are there still question marks around. There is a full court press for control. It is beyond finance. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to shake out that way. I'm for sure going to do everything in my power to raise my level of awareness and those around me and share that truth yeah. as I see it. And, and continue to offer the fact that we should allow people to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't hurt others. Right. Period. As well, long as it does no harm. And, 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 period. And, and that's that, libertarian in the sense. Like, right. You shouldn't tell me that I can't have plant medicines. If I die, I fucking die. Right. And, I'm not going to die from plant medicines, but I should, should have no one telling me that I can't have plant medicine. Totally. And no one should tell me I can't have sex with other people while I'm married. No yep. one should tell me any of this yep. shit as long as I don't hurt another. And that I've always been, I've always been on the, yeah, legalized drugs, legalized sex work, all that stuff. And, you know, in the beginning with the masks and stuff like that, that was sort of the approach I was taking where I'm like, well, I don't want to wear this and I'm healthy, but if I am being told right now it's protecting other people, you know, this is back in the day, then I was kind of the That's same. That's the same fucking argument though they use with vaccines and mm -hmm. it's absolute nonsense. I know, I know. And, 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 and that's what, you know, I, I think this year really did cause a lot of people to question these, like for me, I realized, wow, I was just shouting things without actually thinking about them or without necessarily experiencing them. It was just, this politician says this about this topic. And I had my go-to kind of like quip that I would tweet out or send out. And I think because with COVID, it wasn't like a war where only certain people serve or it wasn't like being gay where I can defend gay people, but only they know what it's like, right? Um, this was something that actually affected all of us. So that also means that the bullshit we were being fed affected all of us. Like we could all sort of peer review test ourselves in a way. Um, and, 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 and we all either had things taken away from us or lost jobs or whatever. And so in a bizarre way, I think because it affected so many more people than these other issues, it is the first thing that is getting people to like ask questions and being like, oh, well, if they're full of shit on this, are they also full of shit on everything else? Which is kind of, you know, I mean, dude, this year has been a whole lot of like, oof. I was wrong about a lot and that's okay. Like, and, and that's the thing. And again, like we were talking about with the relationships, not getting bitter, right? I think that when you see people go so hard in the other direction, th there's a little bit of like their pride was hurt and they feel like this person lied to me, this person, this government, this whatever. And now I want to like punish them. Um, as opposed to what I'm trying to do, and I think the spirituality and all the other work I've been doing on myself really helps, is just being like, wow, I need to be way more open-minded and not be in echo chambers and not do all this. And I think that's a healthy way to approach sort of getting your, your world rocked a little bit. Like, buddy, three years ago, I don't even know if I would have been able to drink this delicious keto shake. Like <laughs> times are changing. I'm like pretty psyched about it. Yeah, that's good. It's mostly vegan. It's so good. So, you know, we, we, we got a bit of time left. Um, talk about what kind of, you were in a tough spot, even when you got here 
in Austin. Talk about the oh, yeah. progression points that helped you track uh, navigating through some tough spaces because it doesn't matter who you are. The lockdowns, mm-hmm. we'll say, affected all of us. Yeah. And some people lost everything they had financially. Some people lost yep. their small business that they put generations into, multi-generational yeah. small businesses, things of that nature. I'm fortunately have not been hit that hard financially from it, but all of us have gone through the ringer in one way or another. You already had a lot going on prior to this happening. So this was Mm kind of like the kitchen sink. Yeah. Well, I kind of looked at it as like, luckily I had already rock bottomed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I rock bottomed after my divorce. And so I was like, all right, been here before. Like know how to sort of dig out. Um, The first thing I'll say to... This is kind of off topic and then I'll bring it back to sort of the mental health and survival thing. But it's something I like to say when I get the chance to say it, which is I think so much of the misery that people have is because they've played it safe, right? They've settled for a relationship that maybe doesn't bring them love. Um, They've taken the job that was safe, even though they wanted to have a podcast, be in a band, whatever it is. and. You know, I haven't had a, I haven't had a day a, a nine to five. I haven't had a job I don't want since I was like twenty two, and now that also involved living out of my car. That involved you know some crazy ass decisions, but it's what's kept me the happiest. Is I I can live a life where I can create and through that creation try to help people. Um, and you know, my dad would always say things like, "Well, if you're going to have a political podcast, why don't you try to get hired on CNN?" Or if you're going to do, you know, why wouldn't you go on Sirius or whatever? And I would always tell him is like, well, because I can get fired and I will get fired straight up. I will get fired from all those places. And which is why I've always done everything independently. And I think what COVID taught us and this, this chance for growth that we all sort of have, I'm not saying like, go leave your wife to start a podcast, but is that even people who played it safe got dicked, you know? where people who were working the jobs that were the safe thing, which is what stopped them from pursuing their dreams, they got laid off. And so it, it really solidified for me that like live the life you want to live because you can, get, you can get it taken from you whether you're doing the quote unquote right thing or whether you're doing the ballsy thing or whether you're doing the brave thing. Um, and so that's sort of the first lesson that I, I, I think is really important. Um, you know, when my cat died and girlfriend left in the same week, like a, like a country song, I had that moment where I was like, well, I kill myself or I do the things that I've always wanted to do. And so I did the things I always wanted to do. So my alone time for, again, not just COVID, not just lockdown, not just I've struggled with depression and suicidal stuff and, you know, all that. But it was the best year of my life because... I was like, what are things I can do instead of what is the narrative of all the things I don't have? And I think we can apply that to like uh, plenty uh, of our life. I always talked about uh, back when I was vegan, if I was convincing someone to go vegan or if they were asking advice, I should say, mm, convincing is probably more accurate. Um, I would always say, you know, if you have a plate and you have a steak and like a sad salad and a sad potato, you don't just take away the steak. You have to put something you love in place of it, right? Like a, like, a, like a healthy, good meal that makes you happy. And I feel that way sort of about like life. If you're going to be alone or if you have a breakup or if you're going to quit drinking, you know, it's not about like, oh, I'm a piece of crap. I can't drink or I'm going to be alone forever. It's about, oh, I'm alone now. So I rebought a guitar 
And now I'm doing this music project with literally three of my heroes, like people I used to see on stage that I didn't know till last year because I just said, fuck it, and doubled down and made a demo and sent it to them and they loved it. And so they're like, I'll play on it. These are like huge people. Um, and I'm not. And so that's going to happen. That's going to come out. Um, I've always wanted to mix jujitsu with comedy. But when I asked people, like agents and stuff in LA, they were like, no, jujitsu, no one does that. And, you know, why would you do that? Um, and then I just started doing it because I'm like, why not? And then that's half of my career now is jujitsu stuff, the sport that I love where I can help people um, and like discover who I am and all this stuff. And I get to be creative and weird, right? Um, being single is still, you know, I go back and forth where there's part of me that still wants that ride or die partner. But there's another part of me that knows that the times I've, 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 I've done that, oftentimes it is codependent. We're both totally ignoring red flags and I start to sacrifice who I am as a person. And now because I've had this year and a half by myself, I'm like, I'm never going to sacrifice that. I just am going to want to find someone who we just fit together. And because we both have these independent, healthy lives, we can lift each other up. And if we can't, then we peace out. Um, so, but I remember like when I was in Tucson, the one thing why I ended up leaving was I went to the fit for service just for a day. You invited me for a day. Um, and just like the sheepdog thing, I woke up and immediately was like, everyone's going to hate me. I don't belong here. Like I remember walking in and just being like, do I need beads? Do I have to take my shirt off? Like, I just like felt like so like just small, which I do a lot. And saw you immediately, felt warm, met everyone. It was great. Cried at all of your speeches. Um, I think I cried at Caitlin's speech. I cried and I'd never met, I'd never met anyone, even Godzi. That was the first time I met him. We'd only talked on Instagram. And um, and then the, the ecstatic dance happened. And I, I will never forget this. Where at first I was like, in my head, I was, I was like, why are the, the people behind me? Why are they talking? I'm like, I feel stupid. I can't dance. There's literally one picture of like Aubrey looking like a king with his like arms outstretched in front of a mountain, um, uh, shirtless, like just looking like ripped. And you see like me in my little black flag t-shirt behind him, like with my head down. Like just, it was like (laughs) the funniest juxtaposition of all time. And, uh, and then I just let go and started doing it. It felt like a hundred percent I was tripping. Like I've never felt like that before. Um, completely sober. And then from out of nowhere, at like the climax of this song, you came up to me and just hugged me and I started crying. And, and, and so much, right? Like for me, I'm realizing so much of my issues are like loneliness, abandonment, you know, all this stuff. And just to feel that like I'm loved or that I can like hug another guy or like there was just so many things. And I remember... I mean, I think I moved to Austin like a month later and not that I even like trailed you, but I was like, okay, I, I'm doing really good in Arizona, but I kind of outgrew it. Like I could have just lived well and cheaper and been like the cool guy. Like, oh, that's the creative. That's the famous guy of Oro Valley or whatever. Um, Same with jujitsu, same with all that stuff. And then, and I didn't have a spiritual community either. And then I just happened to have to be in Dallas. I was like driving through Texas. I didn't even know that Austin was on the way. 
I'd always wanted to move Austin just because I love Stevie Ray Vaughan and Bill Hicks and Texas guys. Um, the only time I was here is I opened for Sarah Silverman at the Paramount. Um, but something about Austin, even though I had never spent time here, I would always, you know, tell agents like one day, maybe I can move to Austin, like with no backing of that. And I'm supposed to hang out with you just to grab lunch. Like I texted you. I'm like, hey, I'm driving through Austin. Um, you ended up having to do a podcast, met Tosh for the first time, accidentally hung out with her for like two hours, totally hit it off. I had to be in Dallas and like, I had to leave for Dallas in like 30 minutes. And I was like, I think I should move here. And Tosh was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I just Googled place by water. Like I not looked at one place for 10 minutes, broke my lease in Arizona and then just came here. And then I came here. It was bad. I got injured right away. I was in a cast. I couldn't train. Um, that crazy snowstorm happened and I was by myself. I thought I like fell in love three times. Like, and then I was like, oh, I'm going back to my old bullshit. This like year of being alone was, was nothing. I started going, why am I here? Um, you know, I've been looking really hard into like my Hawaiian roots and I'm like, maybe I should just move to Hawaii. Like I was like literally looking at apartments in Hawaii, like during the snowstorm being like, get me the fuck out of here. And then I had to sort of go back to what I did in Tucson, which was things are really hard right now. How can we make them great? How can we learn from them? How can I become stronger or healthier? And there's always going to be challenges. And I'm not cool with just dealing with the challenges. Like if I'm going to go through some shit, I want to come up, come out on top. Like I want to come out better for it or else like why am I suffering, right? And so that's when I went hard on the music project. That's when I offered to start coaching jujitsu too. Like I didn't even care about money. I was just like, hey, I just want to give back and do things. Once I started coaching, I started training more. Once I started training more, I got healthier. Um, and now it's just been this, I mean, that's it. It's, this is like, I don't know if I'm going to leave here. Um, and, and maybe I will, but, you know, to... It's really hard when you're going through it. Like the people who are listening, who did lose their job, who are depressed, who are whatever. It's so hard to look into the future, right? But we do it in little ways. Like how many times have you not wanted to go to the gym and then you go, how am I going to feel afterwards? So you go to the gym and an hour later, you're like, oh, I feel fucking great, right? You can also do that with the really hard times in your life. Like I remember when... Uh, when I was living out of my car, when things were really bad or the car would break down or we couldn't afford food or whatever, I would go, this is the story I'm going to tell. Like years from now when I'm on TV, I'm going to tell this story. And I kind of did that with COVID. Like the fact that I'm figuring out who I am as a person, that I am figuring out what I want with my career, that all these core artistic projects happened this year when so many people were like suffering. And I could have been one of them. I had all the ammo all of the sad stories, all of the narratives, all of the just being by myself. Um, and I just like, I'm not going to settle for that. And then, and then you get this, once you get like one little win, that kind of pushes you to go to the next and the next and the next and the next. Um, and now things are dope. And then they'll be hard again. I'll 100% fall in love too fast again and that'll fucking get shattered. And then instead of being like, well, I, my identity was that relationship or being a guy who is in relationships, then I get to go, okay, I got to go focus on my art more or I have to go focus on jujitsu. And then that'll take off. And then that'll raise my confidence a little. And then maybe the next, whatever it is. Um, and it's just, it's these little steps, but also it's little steps, but it's also not settling for little steps. But man, the second something shitty happens now, 
I immediately go into like, what is this for mode? And, uh, and then even when it sucks, you're still getting something out of it. So, which is like a workout, right? Like it's not easy, but you know, you're getting something out of it. I'm kind of trying to take the same approach with, you know, the kind of garbage life throws at you sometimes. <laughs> yep. Finding what is useful. That's it. Well, brother, it's been it's been excellent having you back on. This is great, dude. Uh, I'm really proud of you. Have I told you that, like, on a podcast or live, like, just watching the 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 transition of this, and like, yeah, I couldn't be happier. Every time I see like another success or another even good podcast, I'll have to text you and just be like, "That was crazy. That changed my life." Um, and that's really rare, you know, especially because to as podcasts grow authenticity dampers a little bit. You know, that happens with every creative boom. Um, comedy boom in the 80s, whatever. That's a lot of people trying to be other people. Um, and the fact that you have a podcast where you've changed your mind, where you can be authentic, where you can have people on that, you know, one day it's gonna, like even with me, one day I listen to your podcast, I'm like, that changed my life. And the other day I listen to the podcast, I'm like, I don't agree with any of that. And like, how dope is that though, right? Instead of being like, no, this is my niche. I have to keep all these people. I can't offend them. I can't let the customer down or whatever. It's like by being authentic, you will be more successful. And I think that that's a lesson that people can learn from you as well. Thank you, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah.